Hey everybody, before we kick off today's episode, Antonio T. Smith Jr. here, and I just want to tell all of you that if you're an avid learner of self-growth, if you want to change the quality of your life, I'm on my major events, WonderCon 2024, it's almost here. The dates are March 17th through March 22nd, that is 2024, and you can go to the website inside the show links to get to all the information there. It's in Houston, Texas. There's also a bunch of opportunity for online tickets as well. So you can watch the event live. Plus, you get the opportunity to keep the video for life as well. With an array of expert speakers, including myself, interactive workshops and a plethora of experiences, it promises to be a transformational event that you've never seen before. Please know in person there are limited spaces available and get all the details to secure a spot on the show notes. Antonio T. Smith Jr., you can plant better, you can dominate. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leadership Integrity Leadership Class with Reverend Reginald Paul and myself, uh, Miss Deanna. M. Mitchell? <laughs> you forgot your own name? Just for a second. Okay. Just for a second. Let me find out. I need to collect a check for you, too. <laughs> I just ask that you take care of the kids. Just take care of the kids. Just take care of the kids. He, need, he, needs, he, he may need a check, too. I don't know. <laughs> Welcome to the Leadership Integ- the Integrity Leadership Class. Tonight, we are finishing integrity, and ladies and gentlemen, next week, we start friend, we start friend or foe. I'm super excited to read this book. This is a new one that Mr. Antonio T. Smith Jr. has added into the curriculum for the leadership, integrity leadership class. I don't know why I keep flipping that. So <laughs> the last 10 chapters are entitled... Chapter 10, eating problems for breakfast. Chapter 11, getting better all the time. Chapter 12, when you're small, you're bigger. And chapter 13, where did it go? So Reverend Reginald Paul, how are you doing this evening? I'm just fine, waiting on you to start us off. All right, all right. Well, eating problems for breakfast. Huh. <clears throat> So on page 172, it says, no problems, no profit. No problems, no profit. I would like to get you guys' opinion on this. No problems, no profit. What does that mean to you? I'll start. Go ahead. If you can't solve a problem, you will not make any money. That's what that means to me. If I can't solve a problem for you, if I'm not a problem solver for you, you won't give me any of your money. And every product that you have bought, have paid for is because it solved a problem for you. Yeah, you wanted it, but it solved a problem for you. So that's what that means to me. No problems, no, no profit. <laughs> well, right. If you can't solve a problem, you can't make a problem. I mean, you can't make a profit. No problem. No profit. Thank you, Grace, because that actually 
ladies and gentlemen, if you don't have the integrity to solve a problem, you won't have the integrity to make a profit. So who else would like who else would like to open this up? Oh, go ahead, Mr. Phil. The floor is yours. Well, yeah, solving a problem, I think that's another one, but also help you fulfill a dream and then help leverage an opportunity. Can I, what can I do to help you leverage the opportunity? What can I do to help you to help you fulfill your dreams? You know, or what can I do to help you solve a problem? All right. Thank you very much, Mr. Phil. Thank you very much. Who else? Who else has something that they would like to share? And then after this person goes, I'll read even more of the paragraph after that. Go ahead, Ms. Kira. Um, I, when I heard it, I went a different direction. I was thinking when I see no problems, no profit, um, as far as inner self, you have to embrace what's hard to get what you really want. Because most likely the things that we really want, we really truly desire are far above our means, our capabilities, and we have to do some type of uh, strenuous work to get to that thing, um, which is apparently profitable. It's got to be something that's profitable if it's way up there above our thinking, above our means. So actually embracing what's hard and becoming comfortable with that so that you have that strength to, you know, solve those problems to get that profit. All right, Miss Kiara, thank you. She took a different aspect to it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Who else? Who else has something that they would like to? What what does that mean to you? What did what came to your heart, your soul, your spirit, your mind when you heard no problems, no profit? All right. Well, on this page, I, paragraph, I oh, go ahead. Yes, please. Uh, I guess before you get to that little paragraph, it talks about life is difficult. And he said, uh, once we truly know that life is difficult, once we truly understand and accept it, then life is no longer difficult. And so what I do, um, what I do on a daily basis, you got to identify a lot of stuff. What I mean by a lot of stuff, we're talking about this particularly, uh, you just got to identify that it's, a, it's every side, every side. I don't care how, what cliche you use, it really don't matter to me. It, it, it's a negative or positive, multiply, divide, uh, red, blue. Uh, yeah, I said red and blue. And uh, <laughs> the other side of the pillar, the cooler side of the pillar, all that stuff. But you got to know it's there. <laughs> if you don't know it's there, then they Happy to you, you're going to act surprised, shocked, uh, whatever, you know, you might act. But as long as you know it's there, it's going to happen. At least you can be prepared for it. And that's what I talk about on Saturdays and Sundays. I mean, Fridays and Saturdays. That's what I've been talking about for the past couple of weeks is knowing that trials going to come and knowing that you got to face them. So why do you be surprised when you see a trial and you're surprised that that trial happened? Like, we know it's got to happen. It's going to happen. You just got to get prepared for it. It's just like a storm. We live in Galveston. We stay right here in Galveston. And we have the opportunity sometimes ready for a hurricane that we see coming miles away. Now, I like that. I like the fact that we get a chance to see a storm coming miles away. But what really hits me the most is, okay, why can't we do life like that? Hello? Hello? There you go. All right. <laughs> you froze on us for a second. Can you hear us? Can you hear me? 
Huh? Anybody? Anybody? I can hear y'all. I can't hear y'all. I can hear me. But I can't hear y'all. We can hear you. You hear me. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Stop it. I know you hear me loud and clear. Yeah. I know exactly what I'm talking about. You hear exactly what I'm talking about. Everybody act like you in Galveston. Everybody act like you in Galveston. Everybody know that storm is on the coast of Africa, and we see it develop. We see how strong it's getting. We see how strong the wind gonna get. We see how much rain we supposed to get. Now, if we treat this just like we treating this in the book, we can't be surprised when that stuff happens. We just gotta be ready for it because you never know how it's gonna treat us. But that's just the conditioners, right? That's just to build our integrity, right? That's just to get us going to where we got to go. That's that's all. That's, I just got a little excited. Don't mind me getting excited. <laughs> all right all right Reverend Reginald all right then Mr. Jerron your hand was up earlier go ahead the floor is yours okay thank you so much I might we was talking about um profit and problems right what was it again no problems no profit yeah and what we think about that no problems no profit thank you what I think about when I hear no problem, no problems, no profit, is that there is there is a lack of money to be made when you believe like when when you don't figure out ways to solve problems. So if you're if you're not coming up with a solution to figure things out on on a problem then it's going to be hard for you to make money because usually when people solve problems and help other people with solving problems and depending on what they see the value in that problem to be solved they will give in exchange for money because that's how that's, i've been learning recently about money too more often and what i for, for my understanding for now at least money is is just what how we perceive the value to be in exchange for like a good or a service or something that we put a value to make exchange from what someone is serving with us so i believe like when 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 someone's when when the with the term no profit no problems that means just if there's no problems being solved then there's no money being made all right. Thank you so much, Jerron. Thank you, each and every person who has responded. So I'm going to combine what everyone has said with what Ke what Kiara said. No, no problems, no profit. If you are not solving a problem, there is no profit. But even more so, if you don't solve the problems within yourself, if you don't have the integrity to go within and say, okay, look, you suck at this. You need to fix this problem. Look, this is a problem you've been holding on to for too long. It's time to release this problem so you can move forward. Profit can be used in many different ways. Profit can be the profit of reaching happiness the profit of reaching money in your bank account, the profit of releasing something and being able to move forward with a lighter back, not carrying the world on your shoulders. 
because either way it goes, they all really mean the same thing. If you don't, if you don't solve the problems within yourself as well as solve the problems of others, you will have no profit for yourself and you will have no profit for others. The integrity leadership class is teaching you about you. What deep inside of you that you need to work on to become a better leader. A better leader also understands having full integrity. Integrity is really the wholeness, the wholeness of you as a person. So if you don't solve a problem within you, you can't profit anything. If you can't solve a problem within you, you can't help someone solve a problem for themselves. Therefore, nobody gets profit. The wake of the wake that you leave, how people feel when you leave a room is you left your problem with them instead of solving your own problem to help solve theirs so everyone can walk out profitable with solutions. As leaders, if we cannot solve our own problems, we cannot be profitable and we cannot help others. How can somebody, how can you lead someone when you can't even lead yourself? So Reverend Reginald Paul, I'm gonna go ahead and pass it over to you. What would you, you like to- You're gonna say that like that. <laughs> you're gonna say that like that and then pass to me. Cause there's more to it than what you're saying. You can't just put a period or an exclamation point when you on a roll like that. You can't see, you teaching us integrity on how to be a leader and to stand charged as a leader. Now, while you were leading the charge, you mean to tell me you're gonna put down your weapon in the middle of a fight, in the middle of fighting, put down your and stop fighting and, and give your sword to the next person? No, you get your sword up, young lady, and you continue to fight. Now, since you gave me the sword, I'll take it right now. But the next time you leave this army, you continue to fight with that sword. Now, let me take yes, your sir. sword and let me continue to attack. Now, if you're a leader that do not believe in yourself, and it's not necessarily believing in yourself because we're talking about integrity in the book, but I'm going to read this sentence. It say, but if you can't orient yourself to the reality, nothing good is going to happen because that will not go away. Well, in other words, that's where I could put it in the Don't Judge a Book by a Scubber uh, that's coming out pretty soon, is, yeah, let me read that one more time. Nothing good is going to happen because the reality Reality will not go away, which means you're not saying it, but you're, you're not saying it. You're, not, you, you're saying it, but you don't believe it. You, you're the person that be like, uh, the, the, the fun, the little raffle ticket come up. You at work, you know, everybody be at work, and they say, we supposed to have a raffle drawing, right? And you be the person be like, I ain't never going to win. Well, guess what, sweetheart? You ain't never going to win. Never going to win. Never going to win. Not only that, not only that, you get, a, you get an assignment at work. You've been running from an assignment at work because you scared that the boss is going to pick on you. You scared that the boss is going to call your name to do this. Guess what the boss is getting ready to do? Call on your no, name no. to do it. Why? Not because he just got it out. It's because you created that frequency with that thought in your mind. And while you created that frequency with that thought in your mind, that's what brought you to get you picked on. It ain't got nothing to do with the person that picked on you. It's how you carry yourself. When you carry yourself in a different frequency, those other frequencies gonna come to you because you're not vibrating at the same frequency. I'm supposed to cut my microphone off because y'all just got me stuck. See. 
Okay. And this is the same sentence. That's the same sentence where it says, again, huh? What you said? Oh, no, no. You said you was about to uh, mute your mic, which means you was about to put down your weapon. Yeah. I was going to pick mine back my up. So right. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, keep. let's keep attacking then. Take these heads <laughs> off. This is the plan. They say we're supposed to... They say we're supposed to beat them up. So guess what? Mike Tyson in this prime knock you off your feet. Layla Ali in her prime and past her prime will still knock you off your feet. Don't play. And, <laughs> and she's still trying to knock somebody off her off their feet. <laughs> she still is. Buster Douglas from Columbus, Ohio, knocked Mike Tyson off his feet. Uh-oh. Yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> but on top, but on top of what Reginald is saying, Buster Carter when he was on his medic, Buster Carter when he was on his medication. Uh oh. Yeah, he, he was. He was recover. He was recovering from Robin Williams. Williams, whatever that little snake lady name is. Oh goodness! All right. To to add on to what Reginald is saying, Reverend Reginald. When you are attracting these things to you, you have a problem. Your problem is the energy that you're putting out. Your problem is you're running away from something. So you're attracting always running. But if you fix that problem, if you stop running and you face that problem, when you fix that problem, you will have profit and you'll help somebody else profit. Because guess what? As leaders, we're supposed to go through, learn, fix our problems and help somebody else because there's no point in you going through the struggle, going through the challenge, fixing it yourself, making it, making it past the finish line on that particular obstacle and don't reach back to help the next. That's what leaders do. So no problem, no profit is more than just no problem. If you're not fixing a problem, you're not making a profit in your, pro in your pocket. If you're not fixing a problem, you're not making a profit in life. To get to where I'm at today, do you know how many problems that I had to fix? How many solutions I had to I had to get to just to have a profit of being able to sit here and talk to you today? Do you know how many more problems you gotta have? Do, do you know that you're gonna have some more problems? Exactly. See when we because fix, that's life. When you fix one problem, when you fix one problem, yeah. When you fix one problem. It's gonna be another problem. So don't think that when you fix that problem, that that's it. Don't think that it's over with and you don't have no more problems. What they're saying is when when you identify that this problem, because it said life is a problem, kind of I, I don't care how long your career is, okay, how long whatever it is that you're doing, it's gonna be a problem. How you handle that problem? How you handle each and every last one of those problems? Are you afraid to approach the problem? Are you hmm. Getting over one problem and, and 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 taking a break and hiding and going back, or, or are you just standing up, getting ready to take another blow? I mean, it's it's all important and making profit. It's all important and profitable gain anyway. It's how well you can take a loss. I'm speaking from experience. It didn't matter what game it was. It's how well you perform after a loss. How well you got up off your feet after a loss. How well you got up off your feet after the coach got off into you because you made a mistake? What did you do? Did you go into the gym and did you pout about it? Did you cut the coach out, coach out? Or did you go back in that gym and you worked on whatever it was? And not only you worked on that, you worked on other weaknesses that you knew that you was having that the coach didn't even have to remind you. 
It's how you bounce back from that loss. It's how you bounce back from it. Because I guarantee once you bounce back from it and you identify it, I guarantee later on in that same little gap that you took that in, that's where that gain is going to come from. That's where the other, and the other profit is going to land out there. You don't even got to go work hard for it. We don't even have, <laughs> Ooh, Lord. We don't even have to work hard for it. A lot of people think we got to work hard for it. No, you don't. Be in the right position with the right frequency and the right attitude, knowing that you ain't going to be right all the time, knowing that you have to take room for correction, knowing that you will have to take a L. If you know that and you put yourself into that frequency and put your feet 10 toes down, I guarantee you everything that you possibly need at this possible moment, it will land to you right now. I'm a living testimony. Very, very much so. Very much so. If you, there's a reason why Antonio put the books in order how he did. Because like Reginald was just saying, first you have to understand that there are going to be ups and downs. That is life. Life is just like a heartbeat. Up, down, up, down, up, down. If you can't take the downs, your ups are going to be short-lived. Then we took you through the magic, showing you how the law of attraction, how what you vibrate at, what the frequency, we are all frequencies. Every single person has their own vibration. Your thoughts, imagine, imagine that your head is an antenna. You're putting out frequency modulation. You're putting out frequencies. What frequency are you putting out? The frequency you put out is going to attract what you're putting out there. Whether you, whether you are conscious of what you're putting out or not conscious of what you're putting out. So what comes back to you is actually who you are. So if you want to change what comes back to you, if you want to, if you want to know what type of person you are, pay attention to what's coming at you. If you always have drama coming at you, you're a drama person. If you always have gossip coming at you, you are a gossip person. If you always have sadness coming at you, you are a sad person. If people are all around you are always angry or never around you, guess what frequency you're putting out? You're putting out angry or don't come around me. But then you ask, but then you're like, man, I don't know why this drama always comes to me. Girl, let me tell you about that's who you are. If you are at a point where you are sick and tired of being sick and tired of the crap that's coming to your life, you need to work on you first. You need to focus on what's inside of you because what's coming to you is coming out of you. So if you're not solving the problem within yourself, you have no profit in life. The reason why Mr. Les Brown says the richest place in the, in the entire world is a graveyard is because all of those are people 
all of those people never solved their own problem. So they never saw a profit. They never saw the profit of living their dreams. They never saw the profit of being a leader. They never saw the profit of traveling the world. They never saw any of these profits because they never fixed the problem within themselves. If you want to be a multi-billionaire, fix the problem within you. So you can fix the problem for somebody else so you can have that profit. This class kicked my butt every single year because every single as every single year there was a different problem I had to solve and not just one but multiple problems. Because as you as as Reg, as Reverend Reginald said, they're going to keep coming. Once you fix one problem, here comes another one. Once you fix one problem, here comes another one and let me tell you why. Because you have layers of problems. That top layer that you figure out, you be like, oh, oh, yeah, I got it done. And then you get hit with another one. You're like, wait, I fixed that problem. No, you didn't because that problem was just the icing on the cake of an even deeper problem. That's why personal development is a lifestyle, not... <laughs> Personal development is a lifestyle, not a hobby. It's something that you have to consistently work on because there's so much buried within you, there's always a problem. But if you stop at one problem and you don't keep digging, you won't have the fullest profit of the abundance of life that you could live. It's like Reginald said, and, and Kiara even pointed out, you see the storm coming, you see it developing, and you just sitting there, because guess what? You're putting out the frequency of, I'm just going to sit here and watch. And then when the storm hit, now you want to react. When you should have responded when you saw the storm, when you start a sto saw the storm forming. Go ahead, Kiara. Oh, I'm sorry, accident. Okay. <laughs> no problems, no profit. That's in your pocket and in your life. I finished the fight this time, Reverend Reginald. The floor is yours. I'm on page 182, and it says, his boss was tuned in enough to get him some help. Michael had come from a critical and harsh family environment that he, he had internalized. He overcame and warded off harsh criticism as a youngster by performing. He was gifted and did well in school and sports. And if he could always get it right, he felt that would keep the abusive anger away. When he would make a mistake, however, he would get mean put downs, reprimands that were now the monstrous critical voices in his head. Before I finish this here, before I even finish that, uh, I want to ask anybody, does that remind you of yourself? Does just that little part of that paragraph remind you of yourself? Were you the one that was on the pedestal when you was growing up? Were you the one where they looked at you as the, as the, uh, what's that? It was right there on the tip of my tongue. Uh, as a, as a front row, I'm gonna just run with that. Uh, you was you was the golden child. You was you was the one that 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 out of everybody in the house, you was the one making the grades and, and getting all the accomplishments. Do we have anybody like that on the phone call? Yeah, 
I'll wait. Nobody. Nobody was a come on man. Somebody was an all A student. Yeah, I knew. I knew it. Come on. I wanna oh, hear never about mind. It. I wasn't I wanna no hear about it. Well, you ain't gotta be an all A student, but they when it, when when you came home and you had a trophy or a certificate in your hand, they were like, That's my baby. And then when you brought that other piece of paper home with that disc slip on there, they took your head off with that wet belt. That was only me. Now, I'll just talk about myself. I'll get to me later on. But anybody else? That was me. Yeah, I know, because I got, man. I, anyway, I just want to hear from somebody else before I even get to speaking on that experience. I didn't went back to my, yeah, wet belt. Well, I will say this. I will say this. I wasn't a straight A student, but my neighborhood and the people did notice the difference between me and a lot of other children. So what I mean is maybe not in academics, but just in personality. They seen just, they just seen a light in me that a lot of, that it was just different from a lot of other people. And so... I realized, like, even today, like, they weren't just saying that to say it, but they were saying it because all this time I've been directed, all this time I've been protected, all this time I've been guided, and still am today. And it's really, it's, it's been, it's been just signs to me. It's been signs, and it's been, it was just, it was just, it was love. It was just love that they seen from me. It was angels like protecting me, and through all that, even with even with an environment of with uh, people just criticizing other people or people just being negative or just not focusing on the things that we're talking about right now, not talking about like relevant things, like, like not talking about wealth, not talking about money, not talking about how to be successful. I didn't. A lot of times, I wasn't around of friends or just many people who were talking about that like I am now. And the only reason why a lot of, and the only reason why I'm around that now is again, you do have to shift your focus and the way your mentality is. But the only way you got to do that is just by um, knowing that a lot of times you've been lied to about certain things and some, and you just really got to retrain your mind after that. So I know I went off topic a little bit, but that's, that's just where my spirit was led at. You did what you were supposed to do. So you yeah. perfectly okay. Mm -hmm. Anybody else? Um, I'd say I wasn't necessarily like the golden child where I'd say I got all A's. But I was always in a position where, um, like, I was so, like, the teachers knew that I was smart, but my grades never actually showed it. So, um, like, if the teachers asked me a question in school, in class, whatever it was, I was able to answer it, but I was, I was always a C student. And the thing is, my mom was a teacher. So, when I did come home with an A, yeah, of course she was happy because now she can actually talk to her other teacher friends or whatever it might be to really say, okay. She's, you know, like, I'm doing great. But when things didn't and I did come home with a C, yeah, I would get in trouble. <laughs> and um, it was just like, 
throughout it all and throughout that in, in itself, um, like I, because people didn't know what, to, like teachers didn't know what to do with me, I got moved from like the top class to remedial, like three times or four times in my life as I went through, because it was just like, no one really knew how to deal with me or what to do with me. Because on the one hand, they knew that I was smart because, but when it came to the grades or the test scores or anything else like that, I never did that. So what I really learned from that personally was that I didn't want to get like my, a piece of paper or like a grade or a number would not defy who I am. So it was just like, you know, I get to create, similar to what Jerron was saying, I get to create who I am moment by moment. It didn't have to do with whether I got an A, a C, a 60, a 50, a 90. None of that actually really made a difference for me. But um, it was something that I saw that other people really looked at. So from, from my mom, from her perspective, she thought, because I was getting, if I didn't get D's in class, if I didn't get A's in class, I would not turn out to be great. Or I wouldn't really get the right job or I wouldn't get into college or anything else like that. And for a little while I did fall in, I did, um, I did actually feed into that to the point where in high school, my last year at high school, my one of my college, I guess, I guess it's a counselor. He literally told me like you should not graduate like you should not really apply for any colleges because you're not going to make it into any uh, because of my grades now it did turn out that i did get into a few and i just didn't even want to look to open up any of the acceptance letters because i felt like they didn't want me anyway it was all rejected but um things turned out like i actually went to college i graduated college i actually became one of the first people in my graduating class to actually get a job outside, like before I even completed college. And um, that was an accomplishment for me. And ever since then, I've just had a career in the same position. And it's my, myself and it's just literally myself and a few other people from my graduating class that actually kept that up. So for myself, it was just like, I didn't have to, my grades, my numbers, whatever, people use to try to justify me <laughs> i had to kind of silence that and really say who do i want to be and really be able to live that way that's my one sure thank you guys wow thank you corey thank you so much for sharing thank you so much talisha said she wasn't allowed to bring nothing more than a b so if she made an f she would change it before she <laughs> reached home yeah, and she really yeah. got in trouble. I, I couldn't. I a B for me was a you can do better. For me to bring home a B was you can do better. To bring home a C was like I brought home an F. But straight A's, praise and worship. <laughs> <laughs> praise and worship I, I was the kid who I didn't have to study it just it, it literally just came to me naturally and because of that if I did struggle in any shape form or fashion it was my fault you know it's you weren't paying attention you didn't do it right 
And I just, I literally got to a point where my senior year, I was like, I ain't doing nothing. <laughs> I ain't doing nothing. Like, I, I just got to that point. I was like, you know what? I've been doing everything you told me to do my whole life. Guess what? On this day of this year, I'm going to do whatever I want, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. I got a car. I got a job. I got my own check. Not mind y'all, I'm 17, so I'm thinking I'm really doing something. <laughs> <laughs> I just, and I got to that point. I was like, nah, whatever. But I was that kid in school. I was that kid who I played basketball, I played volleyball, I played tennis, I was on the swim team. Oh, uh, my goodness. That was me, captain of the volleyball team. I tried out for softball, would have made it, but my attitude kept me out. <laughs> I was in karate. Like, I was that kid. I was that kid. I played piano for years, won awards, was in plays. Like, I was that kid. But if I bought him a B, oh, we had a problem. We had a whole problem. And then when it came to what um, Corey was saying, for me, I didn't get I didn't get dropped down. I got moved up. And it started for me in elementary school. It started with what was called the Gifted and Talented Education Program, where I once a week I got shipped shipped off to the administrative building for a special class of like about 15 people. And that later turned into the the gift the the gifted and talented the GT classes, the gifted and talented classes that were in school, which later became the advanced classes. And I was in them all the time, like every single class. So I was, I was that kid. I was that kid. And uh, Miss Dr. Trask, you unmuted your mic. So if you want to go ahead, the floor is yours. And then after Dr. Trask, Jerome, the floor is yours because you unmuted your mic as well. Alrighty, there we go. Yes, I was one of those kids. However, I was raised in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And so in the 60s, some of y'all know about it, some of you don't. It was acid and mescaline and THC and the drugs and the hippies and, and all of this. Well, I had an eight year, a brother eight years older than myself and my sister was four years older. So I was introduced to an awful lot of things having an older brother. And school was never a problem. It was never an object. Uh, it, it was just always, I've always stayed after school to do the board with the teachers. I was the teacher's pet. Well, you have to understand too, I was the only African-American student in my class also at the school that I was at at that time. So, you know, learning and, and having that knowledge with my dad being in the school system, my mom working for federal government and all of that, that was something that we were proud to be able to bring home straight A's or A's and B's. A C in math was one of mine. I need grace probably to this day. But it was just something because we were rewarded. And, you know, it was like I knew I was coming up into the age of high school. So we had summer school, which I don't know about the summer schools today. We took summer school to get extra credits so that we would have, if we needed 
117 credits to graduate by the time you were in the 12th grade or to graduate from the 12th grade, you could go to summer school. Well, because I was involved in the other side with the smoking of the weed and the acid, the mescaline, drinking and all of that, all the kids was at school. So I was at school with all the kids. And so selling became something that I did. So when they were graduating from 12th grade, I was in San Francisco, California, graduation night. That's where I was because I had enough credits. 12th grade, I only had one. We had a store in our school. And at 7.30 to 8.30, I ran the school, the store that was inside the school. 8.30, I was through. I didn't have to be to work at Sears uh, until like noon. So I had all of that time. So yes, and being that child and being the baby, that was what kind of was, you know, it was a responsibility that I put on myself because I knew when I got of that age, dad was going to get me a car. There was no questions about it. And so that's what happened. But to, to be able to have other people and I see other people today, the way the school systems are, or parenting and school, it's nothing like it was, you know, back then in the 70s and 60s, 70s and the 80s. What they did then, you knew you were going on to college. You knew that you were going on and doing this. Where now it's, off. Oh, if you want to go, you go. There's the trade schools. And we had the trade schools there. But it was just something that looked Great, and then you know, when we go to church on Sunday, pastor would always want to know about the kids and the grades. Well, it was always nice to be able to say, I got all A's, you know, and uh, so that was just something growing up and I'm seeing the children today where they don't have that same issue, that same thought pattern as far as school goes. And that's just a big change that I see. So about no problem, no profit, if you're not answering or, or uh, you don't have the solution, what is it? If you have a solution to somebody's problem, you'll never be without. If you have that solution, if you're that ram in the bush, you're always going to have. <laughs> all right, Dr. Sugar Charles. You're the ram in the bush. All right. Romy Rum, the floor is yours, sir. <laughs> Well, I, I was relating to Mr. Jerron's comment because I sound, he sounded like what I had went through when I was growing up. So I know now one of the reasons why I like him so much um, because I, I came from a very large family. There were eight of us that grew up in the house. There were more kids, but eight of us grew up in one house. Parents were big on education. And because I was the kid in the house that always got the best grades, I didn't have a problem with my parents. I had a problem with my brothers and sisters because I always got A's and B's and they didn't. So guess who got beat up because I did so well because they would always say, why can't y'all be like Jerome? And I'm like, leave me alone. I'm just, I'm just, trying, to get a, I'm just trying to get an education. <laughs> and Gerard, I was lied to too. And uh, because I was a smart student, and did well in school, nobody paid attention to me because I wasn't disruptive because my parents would tear me up if I was disruptive in school. So I had nothing to say. I did well. Nobody, nobody pushed me. So guess what? I just I took my books home, didn't have to study, got A's and B's. Well, I get to the, I finish up the 11th grade, get ready to go to the 12th grade. 
I'm sitting down with the counselor. The counselor says to me, uh, Jerome, you only need one English to graduate. I said, okay, well, I'll just take one English. He says, you can't do that. You got to take the whole course, the whole school year. I said, what are you talking about? You know, I, I met all the requirements. I only need one English. I'll just take the one English. Nope, you got to take the... And what I realized is that counselor had done his job. I could have took two Englishes in the 11th. And then I couldn't graduate until my 12th grade class graduated. But I could have been out there making money. And I was upset. Fortunately, one of the other counselors who was sharp got me a work-study job the next year. I only had to come to school half, half a day and worked one week and went to school one week, put a little bit of money in my pocket. But here's the Feast of the Resistance. I get to college, I'm taking basic English. Now remember, nobody pushed me. So I take basic English in college, fail at the first semester, the first uh, uh, time, and took the same professor and failed it the second time. And I'm saying to her like, hey, like, I'm studying and I'm doing a book. She said, Jerome, I'm not going to teach you what you should have learned in high school. And I was furious because I was black and she was black. She supposed to give me a hookup. Oh, she hooked me up with that foot. <laughs> but I went into the Army, did my 21 years, got out of the Army, used my money from, uh, and I didn't have to use the money because the Army paid for everything. But guess what I did? I went back and got my degree, graduated cum laude, with full, I was working full-time, two part-time jobs, going to school full-time, 3.67 GPA, two national honor societies, and, and they already paid for everything. Yeah, Jerron, I got lied to too. But I'm telling you right now, young man, if you stay on the path that you on, dude, you can go anywhere you want to go. I'm going to tell you that right now. I, I, I'm very proud of you. You got the right stuff. So that's all, I, that's what I wanted to share. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And can I add one more thing back too? Go ahead. Yeah. I wanted to say, like, you know, a lot of people, I, I, I've been told, too, like, you should wait to be a certain age to do a certain thing. But really, the best time really is to start now. And what I mean by, like, being lied to is, like, when when people like say you should like, or like I had people that asked me if I want to be a motivational speaker. And here's what I tell them. I'm already a motivational speaker right now. <laughs> My man. So I don't, I don't have to wait. So just because, okay, I see what you're saying. Just because if I'm not at that certain level yet, that doesn't mean I don't have to put in the work right now to get to that level. Still work now while you're waiting on your way to that level. <laughs> That's what I let people know. So that's what I mean by that too, why being lied and retraining your mind, start now, because it's the best time than ever. Well, Javon, now that you say that, I'll share another little secret with you. Yes, sir. I, you, you, you listened to my keynote the other night, right? Yes. And I talked about, I met a man three years ago, all right? And you know who he is. And mm. I, sat, I sat in these classes for over a year and I was learning, I was picking up on information. When the year was done, Jerron, I says, why is it that I've learned all this valuable information, but I'm still broke? And I didn't have an answer. 
Well, you know, the, one of the reasons why is because I've been lied to. I have been programmed a certain way to think a certain way, and that was still within me, even though I was gaining new knowledge. And I'm sitting there having this conversation with Antonio, and I went, you know, I see what my problem is. I have been programmed to think a certain way, and because I've been programmed that way, that's what I do in real life. But you come along, and you're teaching me stuff that I've never done before. You're teaching me stuff I hadn't heard before. And it works because I can see it happening with the things that you're doing. So I realized then that I had to reprogram what the way I thought and the way I function in order to progress. That's what made the difference. But you know what, Jerron? Nobody pulled me aside and did that. I learned that from going to the classes and, and, and being an ATS. You, you like today, I've been on three, four classes a day. Dion, you've been doing a great job, girl. I'm trying to told you that. But I've been on three because I get so much from the material, even though I got other stuff to do. If I can get on a call, if I can be, I'm here because I know there's so much value that, and, and guess what? I don't have to go in my pocket and pull out the money. I'm, I'm actually part of it. So I'm absorbing it. It's in my brain and that I can go out and act on it. So you're on the right track, young man. You're on the right track. Oh, Thank you right. so much. Yep. Yep. Thank you, Jerome. Thank you, Jerome. Thank you, Dr. Trask. Thank each and every one of you. Uh, Reverend Reginald? J&J Enterprises. See y'all see working together, J&J Enterprises, spreading that love and that knowledge to each other. Dr. Sugar Trash over there, giving it to us like we need it. Everybody give yourself a round of applause. Just love yourself today. If you ain't loved yourself in a while, love yourself. Reggie. It's a beautiful day to love yourself. Yes, yes. Reggie, uh, yes. I, the, reason I, the reason I interrupted you is because when you were talking earlier, my wife was listening, and I was telling her that this dude is an awesome dude. And she said, yeah, really? I said, one day I was having some issues, and I'm talking to Grace. And I said, I've never met this man. I never, I never talked to him. And he said to Grace, can I speak to him? And she, and, and she said, sure, hey, Jerome, Reggie wants to talk to you. And I told my wife, I said, he wanted to talk to me because he wanted to pour into me. He wanted to bless me. He wanted to give me something that could help me. And I said to her, Reggie, the fact that he was willing to reach out to me, having never dealt with me and never met me before, it's an encouragement that he'll never know. So I just wanted to say that to your face, brother. Just oh, the fact that he did it made more... <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Thank, thank, thank you. That, that, see, that's what I've been talking about the previous Thursdays, uh, Thursdays to come. When you hear stuff like that, once you give it, and then it come back to you. Because, you see, one thing about it, when you get it, when, when you give it, right, it's one thing to give it to somebody like, yes, yes. You know what I'm saying? That, that, that fire you got, that electric fire you got. Like, but when they give it back to you, though, because you could be under a rock, you could be under some cardboard. You can be on the other side of a penny. You could be across the street where a puddle is at. But as soon as you hear that, you done got over whatever that little, whatever it was, you got, just by that word, that word just gave you that energy. And thank you for that, because that just gave me more energy on the energy that I had on top of that. And listening to the stories about the youth, uh, Deanna, you reminded me of something. Nah. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was, it was, it was Miss, uh, the one that couldn't bring the bee home. Oh, you brought my childhood back. <laughs> Let me tell you about a young man named George Paul Sr. God dog it. 
that man was huge, y'all. Y'all think I'm huge. That man was huge. And uh, I started off great. I, you know, they on your mark, get set, go. I'm off on the races. Uh, all A's. All A's. Boom. Okay, now I got two sisters, right? They quite didn't make the all-A uh, roster, right? <laughs> so I'm on the all-A roster, and I'm, I I'd have made all-A so much that one day I brought a B home. True story. I thought I was supposed to get killed, murdered, and, and, and just wiped off the face of the earth because I never brought a B home, right? I never brought a B home. It wasn't as bad as I thought. But I knew I couldn't bring that C home. You understand what I'm saying? You know I couldn't bring that C home. So one day, this true story, I messed around and made a C on this progress report. And let me tell you how much of a genius I am. I knew my mother's handwriting down to the T. Like I had her W and I had the dot and I had the Paul. Like I'm talking about, I had it. Because, you know, she signed so many papers of my success story that, you know, I tend to look at a signature from time to time. Now I know what I'm talking about, right? So I'm in the bathroom figuring out my next plan on how not to let the parents receive the C on a progress report. So let me tell you what me and myself cooked up. We took this eyeliner that I thought was a pencil. Oh, and we put this in there, right? And I took that to school, and then they got a hold to it, and then I had to bring it back home. I don't think I had two butt cheeks for about two weeks, because I think they wiped that all off. That's right. They wiped all that off, because I decided to write it. I Look, hey, the W was flawless, y'all. The W was flawless. The W fit all... That was flawless, but it was a highlighter. Where were you guys at to tell me that, hey, you might not want to use that eyeliner because that eyeliner <laughs> is not going to get the precision that you're looking for. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I had to learn. We talking about taking L's, right? We just right? I took that L. I took that, um, um, yeah. The hiney area, that's off. And 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 I learned from it. Don't you ever use eyeliner again. Don't you ever make a seat ever again. And just be honest. Well, I just start bringing wait, it home. Wait, wait, wait. I have to never worry about a B. <laughs> wait, I want to interrupt you. That's all you learned? You ain't learned not to fraud, not to be fraudulent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, that's what I'm saying. The eyeliner, the, I said, I, I'm going to be honest. So I didn't have to worry about all that because I just made all A's again. It wasn't no B or C. I didn't even have to worry about writing another signature at all. All I had to do was take my hand and reach behind there to see if it was still there. All A's every time. Never fail. Yellow cards because that's what we got at L.A. Morgan. They gave us the little gold cards, and I was a little hefty kid. I was, you know, they all made fun of me. But I know if I got the little gold card that it's gonna be free meals and free rentals, because back then, you know, rentals. Oh, yes, that you can look yeah. at your face. Yes. The movie rentals. You get the get the yeah. golden movie rentals. Yes. The free popcorn and, your, and the free pizza. Yeah, yeah. And, and your mom and daddy, they love you so much. But when they you did. can't bring home when you can't bring home that gold card, 
the 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 tensity of the household and how tense it is in the house. You just don't want to come out your room because nobody provided the gold card. And you was the only breadwinner. See, I was the only bread. Sisters ain't bringing home no gold card. They take their whooping and go on about their business. I learned from them. I'm not, y'all killing them in there. And I, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Hey, y'all better stop. <laughs> y'all can come here and get some help from me. We can, we can get through this together because y'all are getting murdered in there. <laughs> but, uh, all it did was like throughout my whole life that's how I've been successful so taking the L like let's say I fail you know what I'm saying like the young man in the book he started hearing voices in the city like the voices start coming back they start coming back to him by the people that was putting him down and making him feel like he was less than because he finally failed see and, and that's that's traumatizing man I mean I didn't have that trauma I didn't have that trauma because I learned from my L like, okay, after that butt whooping, you know better than not to do that again. But at the same time, you're going to fail again. You just don't try to fail in the same spot over and over again. Then that's when it's time to go get some help. And I just wanted to share, because my daddy would take my chest off, y'all. Like, it would be, you know how the man did, the, the, the father and the son, it just, it wasn't no such thing as a whooping. He just, come here, boy, pop, punch him, hey, and he, <laughs> You try to talk and you couldn't talk because your breath was gone. I ain't gonna do it no more. You couldn't even say that because all that was gone. And then that was it. Like, God, oh, that. You know what I'm saying? All A's forever. So when he left, when he left the whole picture, he decided to leave when we was in the fourth grade or whatever. He just, and I still was scared to bring that grade home. Like, I was, because he, he could have came from out of a tree or anywhere to punch me in my chest. I was traumatized, y'all. I, I, I I'm still making A's right now. <laughs> I'm still making A's. Give me an assignment. I'm gonna make an A right now because he might come back. I, I know him. I know my dad. He might come oh, back from that risk man. that he's taking and just to punch me that one more time. I told you, nigga. I'm sorry. That's what he would say. That's exactly what he would say. That's my dad, and that's just gonna be him. I love him to death. But give me a test right now, I'm gonna make A's. Oh, man. But I feel sorry for the young man in the book, though, because when I was reading, I, I'm right, I'm still right there. You say, he was gifted and did well in school and sports, and if he could always get it right, he felt that would keep the abusive anger away. That sounded like me. That's why I wanted to read this paragraph. When he would make a mistake, however, he would get mean put downs, and there were now the monsters critical voice in his head and as a child he retreated to himself and withdrawn to seclusion and away from the storm but he did not have much of a way of getting out the back hole and self-loathing that critical onslaught had left him in he recalled times of feeling lost and just out of it as he put in and i just wanted to say to to my younger self and to the self of anybody else today that has experienced that that it's easy for somebody to say, well, don't let that happen. But well, whatever you got to do, you got to be strong. You can't, if it, if it, if it just come down to you like, look, let me tell you something. You learn from that. You find somebody that can relate to you. You find somebody that you could talk to. Because guess what? It's always somebody. It's always an outlet, man. It's always an outlet that you can go to. Because when the time comes, that person will pop up in you. You ever, been, you ever, you ever, found, your, <clears throat> you ever found yourself in a phone? And a person just pop up in your head. I need to call this person straight up. I, 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 well, I don't want to call them because they probably and 
I ain't gonna call him. And, then, and I'm talking about just they start weighing heavy on you. And then you like, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead. And they they beat you to the punch. They call you. They call you. And that's when you know. That's when okay, that's when you meet in frequencies. And that's when the when, that's when the universe is trying to, you know, reach out to you to to let you know, hey, it's part of life. Okay. But whatever you do, don't you hold this in and keep this poison so it can spread out and destroy you and tear you apart piece by piece. Because some people just take you out in one blow. Sometimes it trickle down into the veins and it take a while to work at you. I don't know which one works. Let, let, me, let, me, let me just take it all at once. I don't want it to trickle. You know what I'm saying? I don't want it to be trickling. Up. Ah, man, just get this over with. Just get this hell over with one time. You know what I'm saying? I'm coming to you. Hey, what I need to do so this won't happen again? Uh, relax. That's what, relax. Relax. First of all, it's okay. Everybody made a mistake. I, I know. I get it. I get it. But you don't understand. My daddy coming back. Now, nah, let me stop. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, but I just, I just, I, I know, uh, again, we, we've got up on these Thursdays and again, uh, don't be surprised you get a call from me. That's right. Looking for that good old, hey, man, hey. Yeah, I sure did make a beat. And I'm calling you today to let me know. As long as you don't punch me in my chest, you can give me a hand. Hey, man. Hey, man. <laughs> hey, man. Oh, man, sir. Sir, the, the caving in of the chest. I didn't. I didn't get the caving in of the chest, but yeah. it, was a, it was a few days I couldn't sit. <clears throat> yeah, it was a few days I couldn't sit. <laughs> so, who who else? Who else was that? Was that person where the 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 problems of the childhood because you couldn't move past the some of those problems of the childhood or your child or the problems of your childhood because you faced them early you were able to profit today who who else who else is this guy in the story who else is this gentleman on page 182 All right, so then we'll go ahead and we will move on to the next. Thank you, Reverend Reginald, for your transparency. Uh, we're going to pray your dad never come back, but with you <laughs> saying what you just said, we know you don't have to worry about getting your chest caved in anytime soon. All right, so on page <laughs> when you when we move to page 183 it's the title of this section is called separate from results and it says uh, be be separate from the problem or the negative outcomes secure identity is about who a person is not what he does or what his results are when someone's identity is tied to his outcomes he or she doesn't exist in a certain way they are what happens so if things are going well, they are well. But if things don't go well and the and the outcomes are bad, they will not, they are not well at all. How many of you have lived your life like this or used to live your life like this and got past that? I 
I'll, I will be the first to admit there were times where when things went well, my day was, I was, but the moment something broke down, I broke down. So I was never separate from my problems. So who else was like that? And what did, what did you do to move past that to where you separated yourself from your problems? So no matter what's going on, you were still able to vibrate at a vibration of happiness and not at the vibration of your problem. Well, Deanna? Go ahead, the floor is open. To be honest with you, I live like that every day and that's not good. When things are good, I'm good. When things are bad, I'm down. And I have not yet found a way to get past that. All right, thank you for your transparency. Um, one of the things that I have learned from Antonio, and what and actually what Reginald has been saying, life hap it's it's a it's a matter of reacting and responding, but it's something that you have to choose. Now, don't get it twisted. I still have my moments where. I will be having, I will be having <clears throat> an amazing day and something happens and I react to that and it shifts my entire day. But when I live in a constant state of deciding to be happy, no matter what hits me, I'm still happy. You, it's, it's the, the process of not reacting to life, but responding to the problem, separating yourself from that problem. And it, it takes practice because again <clears throat> it takes practice because again you have to understand your vibration is what's attracting is what's attracting it to you like you are literally law of attraction is real you are creating who you are and what's coming to you like i was saying earlier your head is an antenna you're putting out vibes and what you're putting out is coming back. What you have to do is, like we said, earlier, no problem, no profit. Release, release the problem. And again, it is not easy because you have to keep digging deep. Like you have to keep digging to get there. It's, it's not easy at all. And then once you get to that point where it's like, okay, you know what? that's just something that's happening right now it does not it does not change who i am as a person when you stop re when you stop reacting to life and just responding like okay <clears throat> let me pause this is what it is that's the problem cool got the got the solution got it done let's move it on So you have to <clears throat> don't go don't go with the mood of the day don't if something bad happens don't stay in that what <clears throat> whatever you hmm. so what, <clears throat> what antonio what Antonio said was, 
he said, whatever you celebrate repeats. So every time, every time you go down with your day, that, that is a celebration of that energy. Therefore, you keep repeating the down. Okay, Antonio. I'm sorry. <laughs> that just, okay. So I just had a revelation. Antonio used to always tell me that your, your award system is off. You have your reward system is off. Anytime you have a bad day and you go with that, you're rewarding yourself so it keeps repeating itself. For me, it was it was a hero complex. It was being the hero for my son. So I was celebrating being a hero for my son, but when I did not see, when I did not see where I could be a hero, I would create a problem for my son just so I can go fix it so I can be the hero. And I rewarded myself with being the hero. So I kept repeating that cycle over and over again. I, I'm realizing that, Mr. Mr. Smith, I'm, I'm realizing that. <laughs> so you have to figure out what is it about following the energy of the day and not responding and separating yourself from your problem that rewards you. You have to change your reward system. Because once you change your reward system, things will change for you. It took me a while to see that. And when I, when Antonio pointed out to me that you're hurting your son, like I literally had to sit there and watch my son cry from a problem that I created just so I could be the hero. And Antonio would not let me, allow me to be the hero that day. So I literally had to sit there and watch that. When you see the pain that you cause with whatever it is that you keep repeating because you keep rewarding yourself, you have to change your reward system. I got to, when you get to that tired level, Talisha, when you get tired of always going down with your day, something's going to click and you're going to be like, I'm tired of this. And you're going to start to see it differently. I got tired of creating problems just to be the hero for my son because I saw the effect it was having on my son. There's a lot of things that my son should be independent at at this age, but he's not. Because I kept creating a situation where I had to be the hero. I had to fly in and save him. Oh, you can't open that bottle. Let mommy do it for you. Oh, you can't do this. Let mommy do it for you. I was taking away his confidence in himself. I was weakening him. And the more and more I started realizing that, the more and more Antonio started showing me that, I was like, I'm tired of this. My son is a little boy, not a little girl. He should be able to do certain things on his own. And what hit me even more was when I sat back and I watched him without interfering. The things that I would jump in to call myself being a hero for, he actually knew how to do. And to see that, let me know even more, you are actually crippling your son. So Talisha, what part of yourself or even your daughter are you crippling by going down with your day? Because more importantly, as parents, our children learn from us indirectly. 
So if you're going down with your day, watch your daughter because she's going to mirror everything that you do. And unfortunately, that may be the way you find out how to not allow your day to control your vibration. It took me to watch my son to see who I was. And the worst part is as much as he inadvertently learned the good side of me, I inadvertently taught him the negative aspect of who I am as well. And I see that. Miss Kiera, uh, I saw your hand go up. And then after Kiera, Jerome, you're up next. And then Jerron, I saw you unmuted your mic. So Kiera, Jerome, Jerron. Uh, Deanna, can you repeat at the beginning you said Antonio says something about the rewards. What was that that you said? So a lot. <laughs> um, Antonio said, whatever you celebrate, you repeat. So every time you go down with your day, that is a celebration of that particular energy. So. <clears throat> yeah, I just ahead. needed that part because I, I could it, it. I started thinking and then it was on me to say something. Um, I'll be 33 in three weeks and it'll be my third birthday. So I really feel like I've been alive for three years. Um, and that is so relevant. What he says, whatever you celebrate, you repeat. I experienced so much trauma. It was replaying every single day of my life, whether it was in conver conversation that I was having with individuals, my perspectives, the way I seen things. I literally last year, my job paid for me to go to counsel. I always wanted to go to therapy. I always said before I became a therapist, I want to go see a therapist to see if this is what I'm supposed to be doing and what they do. Um, and I actually took three sessions and I went over my whole life to solidify what had happened. Mm. Once I solidified what had happened, I was able to highlight, I did my own therapy to myself. The therapist started crying. I didn't know what, I was like, this is, this is not good for our field, but I just think my story is just that it's just that it's a lot, but I had to solidify what had happened in my past. And what I mean as solidify, you, you put, you put it all together and you make it just that. Then I had to separate from it. Um, I was bringing it everywhere I was going. So anything that reminded me of those things, in my day-to-day -day life, I wasn't even realizing it was parallel to the traumatic history that I had. And it caused me to act and think um, and feel a certain way, like you're talking about, whatever you celebrate, you repeat. So I was really celebrating my trauma by trying to utilize a lot of the past experiences I had in conversation. What I didn't realize, I was feeding my vibration and feeding my frequency to stay low because it will always cause me to shift. And a lot of things I felt like I was healed from, but I was holding on to it. And in, our, in my field, we call that trauma bonding. You stick with all those things that just really don't serve you. Um, so at some point, you have to go through all of them and say, this is what was, this is what happened. This is what I'm doing with it. I'm, I'm putting it away. So of course, I still pick and choose when I need to use them, but it's not every day, all day. And some of it is unnecessary to ever deal with again, because it's done. It doesn't hurt me. It doesn't cause me any harm. So I, I don't need to give it any energy. Um, so I kind of wanted to share that because it's like re I was hearing my sister talk about what she does every day. Sometimes you got to take that one last trip and really go through every single thing that has been there and put it in its place. And when you turn, when you pivot from that, you got to be moving forward in such a way that 
you stop everything that was and you start adding everything that needs to be. And it has to be a strong cycle on a day-to-day -day basis. I talk to myself differently. Everything I think is differently. How I respond to people has to be differently. I can't even play certain ways with people um, because I just know that it could take me to a place where it's just like I closed the door on that. That's what it is because I don't want to feel that way every single day. So now, yes, I have my little mood swings and I have difficult moments, but they're actually good, difficult moments. <laughs> they're the present moments that are difficult. They are not, and they're no longer attached to anything that was. So then I take mm. them for what they are and I decide how I want to feel. That's the most powerful thing I've ever gained in my life to be able to make a decision to say, I'm happy. I just showed a client that yesterday. I just pulled up my, I said, be quiet. I pulled up my calendar. I said, what does the calendar say on the front of it? It said, be happy. So be happy if you want to be happy. But sometimes we can't even be happy because of everything that was, that was, that we're not, you know, detached from. So that level of detaching, accepting, putting away in a peaceful manner will bring you to such a, a place and a space and a, a confidence that it's like you're now in control. And I don't think a lot of people realize it's possible to have that type of control over who you are, what you think and how you feel and how you're going to maneuver with whatever your day is, whatever your situation is, whatever that circumstance is. And then you still, that it brings so much life. That's living. You're now in the present because ain't nothing going to stop the hardships and, you know, the negative feelings and whatever happens that day. But the, the fact that you can be in the, the access of your day and you control it and maneuver it, it's the best thing I could offer to a person to gain that skill. But it all starts from making sure you look back on everything that has been, what was, how it affected me, how I affected someone else, what I'm doing, that self-awareness, and then you're in control. Wow. Thank you, Kiera. Thank you, Kiera. I, I hope everybody was taking notes on that one. I really thank you, Kara. Thank you very much. I'm so I, I want to say one last thing. Like oh, going, hey. back, going back to what I said, this thing is just in my spirit for some reason because I was trying to have I was trying to have a bad day today. I was trying to have a bad day. T R Y I N G. Sometimes we wow. so used to, we will try, and it was like I couldn't even because I know who I am. I know what my skills are. I know what's really there. I know what the truth is about all my circumstances and my situation. So can't nothing that was, <laughs> that was penetrating me in a negative way, it can't hold me. And once you get that power, it's different. And I'm sitting here, like I said, I'll be three years old. That was, that mean that was 30 years I lived like that daily. So to my sister who was speaking like that, yeah, it takes some time to undo, but you just have to be aware that that's what you want to do. You want to solidify it. You want to get rid of it. You want to put it to bed. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Gerard. I, Let's go. Amen. <laughs> yes, ma'am. You need to stay in that energy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Come on, Kiara. Man, I feel like I just want to get up and go run. <laughs> Jerome, go ahead. And after yes. Jerome, I think it was Jerome. I, I can't remember now, but yeah. I know it was Jerome. Go ahead. Um, Kiara, thank you for, for what you shared. That was very, very powerful. And what, what the reason it's such a blessing is, is what I wanted to comment on 
was not for Talisha, but for Deanna, pertaining to what she said to Talisha. Because, man, when you said what you said, well, first of all, Deanna, I saw you struggling to share with Talisha what was within you. I saw the struggle. And you didn't give up. And you stayed in there. And you found it. And then you delivered it. Do you hear me, girl? You delivered it. Now, let me share something else with you. Because, see, you don't know this one. All right? I, because of the fact that my wife was fixing for uh, my, me, my, my sister was fixing filleted fish for dinner, you can't eat hot fish cold. So I have had these classes all. You've been in charge, and you've been doing a phenomenal job. But I had to go get my fish. Hello, priorities, all right? So I turned on my computer, and I took my cell phone with me downstairs, turned off the, the, the uh, microphones, and turned off the cameras, and I ate my fish. Oh, it was, whoo, it was bumping. Once I, once I finished, I turned on the, the, the list, the sound to listen, and my wife saw the, 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 the cell phone. And, and I said, oh, this is, this is down in, with Antonio. She said, well, who's that? Who's that? Oh, I say, that's Deanna. I say, she is fantastic. She's amazing. I say, as a matter of fact, let me tell you how good she is. She's so good. Three years ago when I met her, she couldn't do what she's doing right now. She's doing fantastic. Now, check this out, Deanna. And this is based on what you were saying to her. When you were watching your son, that person that you love dealing, and that your actions and how you were dealing with yourself were literally destroying and hurting him, you knew you had to do something because taking care of him was bigger than hurting you. And that's exactly what you did. And that's what you shared with Talisha. She's got to find something bigger than her that take care of in this situation so that she can stop doing to herself what she's doing. And I commend you for that. Thank you so much for sharing that. So that's what I wanted to say. I'm shut up. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Wow. I I didn't know that's that. Heat. <laughs> that's heat. That's heat. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I thank you, Jerome. I did not know it was that obvious. Cause I, I was, I really was trying to figure it out, and I was like, man. And because I've, I've spoken to Talisha before, years ago. It, me and her have been communicating on and off for years, and I told her uh, once upon a time. I told her, I said, Talisha, me and you are the same person. Oh my gosh, that came to my head. The same thing that you're about to say came to my head. <laughs> It, I, I promise you it, we're the same person so a lot of things that she tells me I tell her look <laughs> everything that I've learned about from my personal growth I share with her and and what I what I what I'm attempting to what I'm attempting to do is not have her struggle as hard as I did when I tell you Antonio had to chop my head off on a consistent basis, he had to literally put my son in my face like this and say, this is what you're doing to him. And when it actually finally solidified to me that you are literally killing your son, 
because as he gets older, I'm not going to be able to send him out into public, especially with how things are today. He is a younger black man dependent upon his mother that does not know responsibility and does not know how to make a decision. What am I really doing to him? I am crippling him to a point where I'm, <laughs> I'm killing him. Like I'm literally, if, if he walked outside today and a stranger walked up to him, he will not know to, he will not know to run away because he's too friendly. Because what did mommy do? When people walked up to say, hey, Don speak, Don be nice. Don say hello because I wanted to make sure he was a respectable child, respectable child, but not teaching him to follow his own instincts when he felt a certain type of way. Antonio had to drill in me, you are killing your son. You are raising a child who's going to grow up into a man who's going to depend on a woman to take care of him. What woman wants a man like that? A man that can't make decisions, a man that can't take care of himself. A man that's going to break another woman. I didn't want that. And so everything that I learned when I when when Talisha first started talking to me, I was like, man, she is me. <laughs> and I wasn't, and mind you, I wasn't too far, too far from it. I wasn't too far from when when I when I met Talisha, I wasn't too far from the conversation I'm having with you today. I was literally just now on my first step walking into the door out of that situation when I met Talisha. But what God did was he put her, he put her in my life to show me who I was and to say, now help her not make the same mistakes. So every time she talks to me, I see every time I hear her I see if she comes up for me I send her a text message because I know she's struggling with something it also showed me that I still needed to work on my own integrity and my own character because how can I lead someone out of something and I still haven't gotten out of it myself I haven't had the integrity and the character to move out of something that's killing me I under, Talisha is raising a beautiful young woman. I am raising a wonderful young man. But that young woman she's raising is watching everything her mother does. I remember growing up watching everything my mother did. I even told my mom, mom, there's a lot of things that we learned. There's a lot of things that you thought we didn't know that we knew. I knew when you were struggling. I knew when you were hurting. I saw how you thought about yourself. I remember the conversations I had with my mother. I remember telling my mother, mom, you should wear this dress, this is beautiful. And she's like, no, it doesn't fit right. So guess what I, which guess what I started doing as I got older? When someone said, I love that dress on you, it doesn't fit right. So I take it off and put it up and put on something that is a little bit bigger. 
it's the things that uh, we teach our children that they don't see. Talisha is raising a young woman, a, a young woman who sees a mother who no matter what is working to build for herself, is moving through whatever it is she's working through. My son only knows a mom who's a businesswoman, but at the same time, he also sees a mom who's working through herself to be better. There was a point in time, and this is the first time that it really stuck to me what our children see. As a team, we woke up every morning at 4.30 and went and worked out. For those of us who are far away, we would video chat with them or they, we would call them and have them on speaker. My son used to come out there with me when I had him. One day I was doing something, he's like, mommy, look, and he got down and started doing push-ups. He was like three. Everything, that's why I tell Talisha go home. I actually sent her a message. I told her go home because it took me to go home to see who I was. It took me to go home to see what I needed to change. If you ask, it will be answered. Antonio said, everyone should hear Kiara loud and clear. Kiara understands she spent 30 years in the same level of awareness. This is the most powerful revelation of ATS 2020. When I met Antonio, I was at the same, actually, I believe, I believe I got worse from the, from the day I met him to the day that I called and said, Antonio, I can't do this anymore. I got worse. Because by that time I had a kid, so I had started the cycle over. And there was, there was something else somebody else says, like you, you don't live, you don't live a different day. You live the same thing over and over again as the same person. I can't remember what it was, but it's powerful. But when Kara says she'll be three years old, I salute her because she understood three years ago is when I started living, when my life actually began. To be honest with you, y'all, my life didn't begin until maybe about two years ago. You have to, <laughs> no problem, no profit. If you can't dig deep enough to say, this is a problem for me, you will never see profit period in life and living is a prophet i will open the floor to whoever has it on their heart to say anything the floor is open Kara asks what does it profit you to not go on through it Jerron, go ahead. I see you unmuted your mic. That's deep. Wow. So many powerful things said. And um, 
I just want to leave this too, is that uh, when we do feel bad, just like how you mentioned to uh, Miss Talisha earlier about things, um, you're here. You're here at ATS. And when I feel like that I'm not growing, I reflect my purpose and well, I reflect my perspective or when I feel like it gets tougher on me with things, I reflect my perspective back on, I'm not even at my final form yet, right? I'm still growing, I'm still learning, I'm still developing. And how do I know that? Because I'm amongst other people who are already at a level higher than me. So that's already giving me hope and faith. So me just acknowledging and making myself receptive of learning and being in growth, it keeps me, it keeps me high in hopes. And what Antonio was showing us in the video earlier for the One Business Away Challenge, it was about uh, the circle that you're in with, uh, if you're the poorest, if you're like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't want to be the strongest person in your circle, you should want to be like the poorest person or the one, the one that needs to learn the most. And I feel like I'm that person in here really i really feel like i'm one of those people in here so just acknowledging that and knowing that it's people higher than me and i'm about to get to that level too by learning underneath them is just one of the greatest feelings and one of the most humbling feelings so how i keep my perspective is that i know i'm not the best but i'm learning to be the best that i can be for my own benefit i'm learning how to be the best me than i was from yesterday so just know always acknowledge that you here the fact that you made it here through a rough day through a tough time you are here amongst people who are learning it and figuring out figuring out more things and figuring out more issues to their life and figuring out how they can do better off of what they're already doing great with in their life you're here and you're making it through <laughs> Thank you, John. I I tell you, as every time you open your mouth, sir. <laughs> oh y'all, y'all gave me a heavy. <laughs> y'all really had it. I I was just getting a little like topping on it. <laughs> I just put the topping on it, but they. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for always speaking your heart. Thank you for always speaking what is given to you to speak. Thank you very much. Dr. Trask, and then after Dr. Trask, Grace, and then after Grace, Ms. Kier, if you wouldn't mind closing us out this evening. I just want to thank Talisha, Adiana, Reginald, Antonio, Jerome, and Jerron for sharing what they shared tonight. Because becoming transparent is the first step of healing. Recognizing that you have a problem, you have an issue, and you're willing to expose that and to be transparent with it, then you can heal. But as you're healing, you also have to remember to repent as well as forgive. Forgive yourself for allowing yourself 
to be in the position, to get in the position to make the choices that you made for 30 years. That was choices that you made, but look at you're three years old. I am 66, but 31 years of my life was drugs, alcohol, prostitution. My childhood was stolen from me completely. So I'm actually only in my 30s. And because my mindset, so you be three. Talisha, you be three. And you let your, your young man, your daughter rather, understand. And you ask her to forgive you. Forgive mommy for doing and making the decisions and saying the things that she said and having. Like you made the, the comment, you tried to have a bad day. Your best, your worst day today will never be like your worst day was 30 for 30 years. So trying to have a bad day, God's not going to allow it. And now you have the tools that you're teaching someone else. You can start your day over anytime you want. Deanna, that young man that you're raising, he is going to be able to be such an awesome young man because he knows the soft side of what a woman goes through as well as he knows no matter what, my mommy was there and she protected. But now that you've seen what you've done, you're correcting what you've done, you, you're on your way. I commend all of you, but you've got to forgive yourself. Forgive yourself for overprotecting. You're a mother. You're a female. You're going to do that. That's part of what we do, but it has to come to a point, and it came to that point, and Antonio was man enough and was there enough and loved you enough and loved him enough to be able to say, this is what you're doing, and this is what you're going to produce, but you had the strength to say, yeah, you probably did get ticked off at him. You probably did get pissed off at him. You probably had some choice words and you weren't speaking in tongues. But look at where you are today and how you can help somebody else. And I believe that's what leadership is all about. And that's what I believe family is all about. Because as y'all have said, no one suffers alone. I'm sticking with it. I'm not changing it, and I believe it. And I just want to thank you for letting me share. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much, Dr. Trask. Thank you so very thank much. Thank you so much, Dr. Sugar. Thank you. All right. So we have Ms. Grace. Hold on, sweetheart. All right. So we have Ms. Grace. And Jerron, if you wanted to, Jerron, if you want to respond to Dr. Trask, please. And then after that, Grace, we have you. And then Miss Kiara, you have the final words for the evening because, ma'am, whatever is burning within you, please let it out. <laughs> so, Jerron and then Grace. Oh, okay. Well, I just want to say thank you so much, Dr. Sugar. And just, yeah, and again, my, my gratitude goes out for everyone just sharing what was on their heart and spirit to share, even in the comments, too, as well. Not just speaking it, but also typing it as well. I had, I, I will uh, share with this too. Um, I was at the post office earlier today and when a guy had, when he had purchased a book, when he just seen me like shipping it out books to other people, he just felt inspired and he wanted to just invest in me. So 
I had I had gave him a copy just right then and there. And then his and then the father, he was with his son. The father had gave his son the book after I signed it and he said, Here, this is for you. And then the son was looking at it and he kind of was a limit a little timid about it. And he was looking at it and holding it and saying, I can't read. So it it hit me and I was thinking like I I had to um I had to uh get down to my man level and just like and just like talk into him, give him more words of encouragement, like don't ever tell yourself that you can't read. Don't ever tell yourself you can't do something. You are powerful, you are valuable, you are somebody and you have value to give into the world. Do not ever say you can't do something. God got something for you to do in this life. And it really inspired me too, not only because he he's this not only because he's the same skin complexion as me, but I had a struggle reading. And I used to say things I can't do. I used to say like, oh, I don't know if that's for me. But it was really passionate for me because like when I was younger in third grade, like I almost got left back for reading. So the so I'm like, I'm gonna do everything in my body, everything in my in my soul to just continue to inspire people to know that they can do something. And as long as you believe, as long as you work in it, even if it's uncomfortable and tough, you still work through it and you'll always get better. And I told him, the more you read, you'll get better at it. You'll get better. Thank you so very much, Jerron. Jerron went from almost flunking third grade because he couldn't read to writing a book. You better work it, sir. You Thank better you work so much. it. And y'all know the statistics <laughs> behind third grade readers. Yeah, so I'm proving that wrong. <laughs> ain't nothing stopping me. I ain't no number now. <laughs> Come on, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Ms. Grace, Ms. Grace, the floor is yours. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, yeah, the, the, the person in this story that we've been discussing, when you have, when the day was good, you were good. When the day was bad, you were not. Man, that was my life. What? And everybody in my core knew it. And how I got through it were the people in my core. And they kept, they kept holding up that mirror to me every day. One one more than the other is initials of ATS. But I am always grateful for him and the entire core for continuously holding me accountable and say, hey, no, that, that can't happen around here. I wasn't happy unless I was angry. You know, I wouldn't, my day wasn't complete unless I was angry about something. But when the mirror continuously got put in front of my face and was like, hey, you say you want friends, you ain't gonna have friends if you keep being like this. If you keep being angry all the time, if you keep, you know, wanting to, you know, be angry and scorch the earth all the time, you're not gonna do it. And so finally one day I made a decision. I said, yeah, I do, you know what? I do want friends, so I gotta get better. And so what I, I constantly kept people around me who were always happy and who were always upbeat and, you know, laughing and joking all the time. And because I knew I, this isn't what I wanted. I don't want to be that angry person all the time. I don't want to do that. I don't want to feel like this all the time. Because feeling like that all the time, that, that drains the hell out of you. It does. It does. Being happy, that takes nothing. That takes nothing. And you've got to want it. You've got to make a decision that I don't want to be in this state no more. I don't want to feel like that no more. 
I want to be the person who is this. I want to be the person who is that. So you, the real thing is you have got to make a decision. Yes, yes, you are struggling. How long are you going to struggle? Because struggling is a choice. Struggling is a choice. Oh, that's easy for you to say, Grace. You, got, you have people around you. I don't know too many people who don't have one of these. And as long as you got one of these, you got people around you. Pick up the phone, call somebody, let them know, hey, right now I'm kind of going through something. I just need you to speak positive words into me. And until I can really look at myself and speak positive words into myself, because you got to go from people from outside to the inside. Okay. Because everything you need is on the inside of you. I had to learn that too. Yeah. I, I started out with, I need, I had to have somebody telling me grace, Hey, you're a great person. You are, you, you are wonderful. You are beautiful. You are this, you are that. But until grace started getting in the mirror and say, Hey, what kind of day are you going to have today? You gonna be happy? Is that really worth getting mad over? Is that really worth being depressed about? And now, to this day, when I feel myself, because I feel it here all the time. I, when I feel something, when it starts feeling right here, uh-uh, come on. No, 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 we've been having a great day. We're gonna continue to have a great day. Whatever is going on, don't allow that to affect your day. You can, be, you, you can have a moment, but don't you, take, don't you dare take the whole day. You gotta want to do it. You've got to want, you've you, you got to decide. That's really all it boils down to is a decision. When you decide, which means to kill off, when you decide that you want to be in that state that you want to be in, and I'm talking about that positive state, and you want things to work out, and you want the universe to do what it does, because the universe has always been doing what it is what it does. You've been wanting to be angry. Oh, the universe, universe says, yes, here you go. Here's some more things to be angry about. You want to be depressed? Oh, okay. Here's some more things to be depressed about. But when you decide, I want to live a happy, joyous life. Oh, okay. Here you go. Here's some happiness for you. Here's some more happiness for you. But you got to decide. That's all I wanted to share. Thanks. Well, Deacon Sandals. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> My daddy is at home. No, do don't do that. <laughs> no, no. You spoke a word. You spoke a word. You spoke a Bad. word. Thank you. Bad. Thank you, Grace. Thank you. Thank you, Grace Los Angeles. Thank you very much for your transparency this evening. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, ladies and gentlemen. When we before we close out this evening, I want to thank each and every one of you for joining us this evening, Reverend Reginald. Is there anything that you would like to say before we let Miss Kiera close us out for the evening? Uh, I'm gonna just I'm gonna let y'all continue to do what y'all doing. It's still like podcast that I'm honored to be on. Women rules the world, so I'm gonna just continue to let that. Uh, <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Before Miss Before Miss Kira, Miss Carol, I see you unmuted your mic. Go ahead. The floor is yours. It's a story. It's a it's a story. I know everybody wants to go home now, but it's a story. Oh, please go ahead. And Reginald is the cause of me saying this story right now because I can feel him <laughs> watching me because he knows he knows. So I said, you know what? It's time. That means it's just time to just 
open up. And um, with everybody going through all these different things, when we were younger, all of us had traumas. And I just remember from the time I was nine, that's what I could remember. My grandpa died and I was grandpa's girl. My mom left me when I was a baby, so I understand the whole thing about abandonment. And my grandmother brought me up, my, my father's mother brought me up. And um, I was real close to my grandfather. My grandfather um, had a stroke when I was nine and I couldn't go to the hospital to see him. So he died in the hospital. I never got a chance to say goodbye to my grandpa. And I was like in trauma because I, I was like, that's my grandfather. I could not say bye to him in the hospital. You know why? And that stuck in my head. But my grandmother came home one day and she said to me, you better behave yourself now because grandpa's no longer around to protect you. And that stuck in my head. I was a kid. That stuck in my head. And all I could ever do was to be this good girl. You know, I got to do it right. I got to do what other people want me to do. I was very, very intelligent and I was quiet. So I would be watching all the time and picking up information and doing this from a child. And then remember, I was intuitive. So I grew up picking up feelings, picking up energy, not saying certain things because you were, you know, your child, you're to be seen but not heard, right? So I was quiet and I would hold all this stuff in, but that traumatized me so badly that I felt like scared all the time. You know, it's like, oh, I got to be good. Am I doing this right? Am I always checking out what I had to do, what I didn't have to do? My grandmother was soft on us. She never gave us um, a lot of um, flack about anything. She would just like, you know what you're supposed to do. So during my uh, growing up years, my mom and my, my father was totally in love with my mother. He was young. They were a very young couple. And uh, she left because she was like, uh, she was in the streets. She was a street girl, you know, just like hanging out and all that stuff because her father threw her out when she was 16. And my dad was more like what you're talking about your son. My grandmother protected him because his father was very mean. So he was traumatized by that whole breakup. And my father started to drink because of it. And he only drank beer, but he would get drunk on beer. It was really weird, like three cans of beer and he was drunk. And um, when my father was drunk, I would run and hide whenever he was around and he was drunk. And um, I just remember different things that would happen and nobody really knew what was going on with me because nobody was paying attention. So during my lifetime, I grew myself up, to be honest. I would go outside if my friends were, um, my grandmother would be like, you know, okay, you know what time is to come up and she'd call me out the window. But if some of my girlfriends were out there and they were going home earlier, I would go home because I said, okay, so I don't want to be the, the girl in the street. Okay, I don't want to be that. So I'd run home to make sure that I went home. Um, if we were doing something else, I would always make sure I wasn't the last one because I didn't want to be seen that way. But during my um, adult years, as you start growing up, you start looking at other people that way, like, you know, people that are in trauma. And since you're picking all of that up all the time, you always want to take care of somebody. Okay. You always want to get the person that needs help. I'm going to fix that person. That's how I got into, um, I guess, 
psychology and I wanted to be a psychiatrist because I always wanted to fix somebody, but it was me that I was wanting to fix all the time, not knowing that. I ended up meeting a guy that was a lot older than me and I was in my grandmother's house. My aunt, it was so much stuff going on there. My aunt uh, was on drugs. She was stealing my stuff. I had a boyfriend. She took his, uh, his um, high school ring and I asked him for the high school ring. The, the next day was gone and I didn't know how to explain it. So after that, it's like, you know, I have to get out of this house. I, I made Juilliard, which is a, a professional school for music in New York because I went to music and art, um, but I didn't go because one, well, we can't afford a lot of the things that they needed. You know, I didn't want to ask them, can I go? It's going to cost this. Cause I always felt like my grandmother was doing me a favor by bringing me up. So I had to be the good girl. Don't ask for too much. I was in um, ballet school cause my aunt took her daughter there. So I went with them. My cousin didn't want to go anymore. So we didn't go. And my aunt said, well, why didn't you tell me you wanted to go? I didn't tell her till later years, 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 and years later. But I always wanted to go to the ballet school because I enjoyed it. But I always gave other people what they needed. And I would just not give it to myself. And all growing up, I ended up going with someone who was very handsome, um, was against the grain because I did what my, you know, my, my grandmother told me to do. I did the opposite. So <laughs> it's like rebellion. So um, I married him and I had my two children. He was uh, seven years older than me, but he was broken, handsome, but broken inside. And I was the one that had the strength. You know, I was always strong. I was always strong. I was always do what I have to do, do it, you know, get this done. And I just kept going and going and going. And even when I wanted to uh, go to school in the beginning, when I first got married to him, he would, um, I would work all, all night because I was working full time and I would work all night on my, on my paperwork and everything. And the next day he would get mad and pour coffee on my work that I worked like hours the night before. And I'd be in tears going to work and having to take my lunch hour to try to rewrite whatever was in my mind or whatever paperwork. Well, after a while it, it became, um, really really hard i was trying to go to school he would do everything in his power to stop me from going and accuse me from seeing other people because i was 10 minutes uh, later from taking the buses to school and all this stuff and um after a while he just um he committed suicide but before he committed suicide i was in the car with him he met me at work and uh, we were driving and I thought we was taking to lunch because I said, this whole thing is not working. Everything, you know, our lifestyles are different. I was just starting to grow up. You know what I mean? I was still, I was young. I was like 19 and um, just trying to get out of the house. And I meet this guy, he's handsome. He's really kind and all that sort of stuff. But I think I was looking for grandpa. You know, I was looking for that same feeling, that same emotion, that love that he gave me. And um, so it didn't work out. And I said, this you know, this can't work out. So he met me for lunch. And that's when they said, you got to put seatbelt on everybody. Remember the whole seatbelt thing? You got to wear your seatbelts. So he said, well, put your seatbelt on because I don't want to get a ticket. So we're driving to supposedly the restaurant and he continues to drive. And I'm like, okay, I got to go back to work. You know, what are you doing? He said, just put your seatbelt on. 
and turned to me and he shot me in my leg. He shot me in my thigh. So here it is, the blood is pouring up and I'm like, holy shit, what do I do now? Right? So then he handcuffed me underneath. He put, told my, put my arm down and he handcuffed me underneath the seat. So I have one hand here, one hand free, and the blood is pumping, and I'm going somewhere, which I don't know where the hell we're going, because he's driving. His family lived in Brooklyn, and I was in the Bronx. So we're, we're going, 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 and all of a sudden, um, you know, he's sitting there, and he's talking to me. He says, you know, this is crazy. Um, I just, look, just tell my mother and my sister that I love them, but I can't handle this anymore. I can't handle the stress of life. He was going through a whole lot of stuff at work. He didn't get along with his father because he was a mama's boy. And um, his mother really did a job on him by protecting him all the time. He was the only son. And he um, shot me and said, you know, I'm not taking you because I want you to be able to take care of the kids. But here I am in the car and I didn't know what to do. So all I did was call on my protection, right? I just called up, you know, I, I need for you to guide me because I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing. So here I am, tears start coming down. He said, don't you dare cry. And, she, you know, goes to point at me again to shoot. I'm like, oh, shit, I can't. Okay, so then I don't know, it was like the tears went right back up again. And I kept saying, protectors, I need for you to come and give me a muse because I need to know what to say. So I started to console him. Here I am, blood's pumping out of my leg. I'm handcuffed tight as hell because it was so tight on my wrist that I thought my wrist was going to pop. And I'm, I'm talking to him to ease his pain. And I'm telling him, you know, you don't have to do this. You can, you know, go, go to Carolina where some of your family live over there. Go, go there. I'm not going to press charges, but how did we get to this? You know, and I'm talking all this stuff. In the meanwhile, I'm shot bleeding and here I am giving therapy to somebody when I need a freaking doctor. And so he, he, he decided, he said, look, just tell my mother and my sister I love them. And because uh, I can't do this anymore. He got out of the car. He went to the back. He came with a, a scalpel knife because his mother used to work for health and hospitals. And um, cut, I had a dress on. He cut my dress all the way down. And he went to go like to rape me. But um, he was so nervous, he couldn't do anything. So he got back in the car. And here I am, I'm still bleeding, right? He got back in the car and shot himself in the head. And we were in some kind of place where there was like a factory pumping smoke and stuff. And way far out, I see um. So he falls on me, he gives me the keys. He has some keys or something. He said, here, just, um, on, you know, undo your uh, thing and, and go get help because I want you to take care of the kids and shot himself and falls on me. So he's bleeding on my back and I'm trying to grab the key to un, you know, lock myself. So I get out, here I am with a ripped dress. <laughs> my shoes were gone. And um, there's this dog, like wild dog over there. And I'm like, I'm, I'm barking at the dog. So leave me alone. Cause I thought I was going to get bit. I'm like, that's what I need. I'm shot, then I'll get bit. And I see a bus way far, because I guess that's like part of the highway. And I'm waving it down and waving it down. The bus stops and the police come. Here I am. We drove all the way to Brooklyn. I had no clue that we were in that car that long. I had no clue. 
So this was all the way from the Bronx. And I'm thinking, where the hell? I'm thinking we went up to, you know, Westchester or something like that, that far. But time stopped. I didn't even realize how much time had passed. So here I am, the cops coming on. I was in the newspaper. And that was like, for me, it was like the most embarrassing thing. Because here I am working for health and hospitals. And here I am, the newspaper. And I was always like, you know, the, the little proper one, you know, going to work, nice, nice. And now here she is. Look at this. Ah, everybody just tore at that, you know, those that want to, ah, look at her, ha, ha, ha. And um, so I get out of the car. They told me, let me check you because they thought I was shot in the back too. And they said, no, she's probably in shock. I said, I'm not in shock. I'm not in shock. I'm just shot in my leg. So um, one of the cops came over and a detective came. He said, let me handle this. So he came over to me, he spoke to me, and I said, I told him what happened. I just, you know, step by step. And he looked at the other ones. He said, she's not in shock. She's okay. And then I hear them say, DOA, DOA. So I'm like, he died? And they said, yeah, he's, he's gone, you know. And I said, okay. So they uh, checked me, and, you know, it, it's, it's embarrassing because they just, like, take your stuff and just, like, <laughs> look it all over and everything. I ended up in a hospital in Brooklyn where his family lives. So his mom blamed me because we were breaking up. But there was so much other stuff that he was going through that he couldn't handle. And um, after that, I had to you know, come in and here I am a widow, a very young girl, right? I was like 29 by then, you know, I had, uh, Jason was, uh, my son was um, going on three and my daughter was just eight. And here I am, in traction, I couldn't go to the funeral because I was in traction for seven and a half weeks in the hospital. And while I was in the hospital, my grandfather that passed away came and visited me. And he said, we were going down the block. He said, hey girl, hey girl. And I'm like, grandpa. He said, yeah, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go run. And in the dream, my feet were going like this because I was in traction, I couldn't move, right? And he took me for a run and I told my grandmother, um, that story. And she's like, yeah, he came to visit you. You know, he, he really came to visit you. So then I came out after seven and a half weeks, I had to go through all kinds of stuff. I went through therapy for a while. I was scared for a while all the time because before that he had stopped me, you know, and he tried to get me fired from my job saying that I stole a typewriter that my uncle had given me. I mean, I went through so much trauma that I didn't even know whether I was coming or going. I was just on automatic pilot all the time, just going. I did what I had to do. And I, you know, and I had to end up going through therapy. But the funny thing is that when you go through therapy, you have to have the right therapist because if they don't understand you and your personality and they're just gone through the, uh, the motions of, well, I took these classes and this, if they don't understand that, they have no clue how to help you. So I went through two therapists because each one of them was not able to handle to get me to let go of whatever was inside me. And I know that you gotta, you gotta be willing to do it, but the person to me has to be able to, to, to grab it and say, here, yeah, that's what it is and let it go, girl. You know? And they were always just like very technical and I would always be witty and outsmart them in the conversation. So I wasn't getting anything out of it. I was always like, well, you know, well, how about this? Well, what about that? You know, and we were going back and forth and they would tell me, Carol, if you don't, if you don't stop that, 
you're not going to be able to be helped. I said, well, maybe I need somebody that's stronger that can grab me by the neck and say, hey, cut it. Be, be who you are and let's get through this together. So finally, I found somebody that was able to do that. Love her to death. And um, really, she was soft and tender, but she had her boundaries and she um, worked through it with me. And uh, that's how I kind of got over a lot of it. But I went through a whole bunch. I went through a whole bunch of classes. I'm always, I'm still that, I was still that A student. Okay, so while I was going through school, I still finished school. I was going uh, full time. My grandmother passed away. My father ended up with cancer. I was taking care of my father, going to school full time. Okay, and I had my two kids. And I still was um, summa cum laude. 3.9.8 uh, GPA. I was the speaker of my graduating class. And I think that's the moment when I graduated that my kids were there and everything that I felt like I did something, but I did it on my own because nobody was there to ever support me through any of it. Not even filling out the papers for college. I didn't even know how to do that shit. I was like, how the hell you do this? I don't know. So I had to go to somebody that went to school to um, help me do that. But I just, it was like always, you gotta do it, you gotta do it. When I was going to college, I was like taking two buses after work and I would come back and it was late at night and I would have to stand on a corner and I was in New York and the cold would be so cold that I could feel it, it felt like a knife cutting my back and I would be there in tears, just tears rolling down my eyes saying, please God, just, just let me get through this. I wanna do this, I wanna do it. But I always did what I wanted to do, like I would push myself to do whatever it is. So it's almost like I brought myself up. So I, I did my own parenting. But you can take all of those things and destroy somebody else in protection if you protect them too much because it's not allowing them to get strong and to stand on their own two feet and to be the person they need to be. So I had to um, learn a lot of that, especially having a son. And uh, my daughter was a little bit different. She was more, she's stronger. She's a lot stronger like I am. My son is very, very sensitive and he can pick up all kinds of things. He's an artist. He, he's, he, his mind is like way out there. He designs stuff and all this stuff. So I had to be um, really careful how I treated him because of that creativity. But I had to learn a lot and it was really hard. It was a hard struggle becoming a parent after you have gone through so much trauma yourself. And, and, I just needed to share that today. I just like people need to know what other people go through. It's not what you see on the outside all the time. And that's what makes the strength inside so that you can help somebody else because you can see it clearly. And I, I just wanted to share, guys. <laughs> wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you. Mm -hmm. sure. Thank you so much, Ms. Carol. Wow, you have been through a lot. I would, I would, to look at you, I would have never, wow. I am grateful you are here with us today to share your story because there's somebody out there that needed to hear that story and to know. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Carol. Thank you very much for your transparency. Wow. I want to thank each and every one of you for joining us, Ms. Kiera. The floor is yours. You will be closing to... us out. I'm going to just pray real quick. 
Um, yeah, that, that's all I feel led to do. I had all this stuff written down, but I just wanted to say, God, we thank you. God, we appreciate what you're doing in this class, oh God. I pray that even now you would touch every person under the sound of my voice, oh God. Well, all of us have problems, but some of us have problems that have not been dealt with yet, and that is what's keeping us stagnant. That is what's keeping us divided, oh God. I pray that you would make us whole, oh God. I pray that you would go into the very depths of our situations, our past history of traumas, the things that are weighing us down, the things that are keeping us depressed, that are keeping us anxious. We speak against it now, God. I pray that you would send us all clarity. I pray that you would stir up every gift that's on the inside of us, oh God, that we may utilize our problems and become profitable, oh God, for we know that you have not given us these circumstances, these past situations, these hurts, these pains, oh God, just for them to be just that. Help us, oh God, to come into a place in this very hour where we use it as fuel, where we use it as a foundation to stand upon it, oh God, that we may be overcomers, oh God, that we may share who we are with others, that we may become profitable by being able to give unto others, to be able to pour into others' lives, oh God. But let us not be pouring from empty cups, oh God. Fill our cups, stir up our gifts, oh God. Make us whole, oh God. Keep us integral, oh God, and lift us up, oh God. Let us not be in a downtrodden state, oh God, every day that we come into contact with anything that is negative, anything that will weigh us down, give us the power to take our day, oh God, to be overcomers, oh God, to be in control of our situations, to be balanced in our emotions, oh God, to be able to speak up when we need someone to hear our stories. Every person who has spoke on tonight, oh God, I pray that you would just begin to solidify those very things that have been weighing on their hearts, the very things that have been keeping them from moving forward, oh God, the very things things that have been keeping them from becoming prosperous, oh God. Do it even now, God. I pray that this very night, as everybody begins to end their day, that they come to a close, that you would send a spirit of peace like you've never sent the spirit of peace, oh God. That you would make us more aware of the things we need to focus on, the things we need to deal with, the things we need to challenge. Help us to see who we truly are. Help us to see how powerful we are. Help us to see how anointed that we are. Help us to understand all the moral God. Help us not to live every day like we're not living, but help us to live, oh God, like we're alive. And for that, I'll continually give your name all glory, honor, and praise. I even thank you for Antonio, oh God. I thank you for the platform that we have that allows us to bring our stories, to bring our encouragement, to bring our knowledge to come together. Everybody doesn't have a person, God, but you're allowing us to find our people. For that, I have to give you praise and honor, oh God. And I'm asking even now that anybody who is feeling heavy in their spirit, oh God, that you would just send your spirit. Let there be a spirit of peace. Let there be a spirit of positivity. Let there just be this tingling in them, oh God, that there is change, that, that tomorrow does not have to be the same, oh God. We appreciate your strength. We appreciate you bringing us together. We appreciate you making us greater. I pray that you would go with us off this call. Amen. 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 Thank you, Kara. You're welcome. Y'all be encouraged. Integrity, this class, this leadership integrity class is about the state of being whole. And I feel like a lot of us are coming together. We got these chipped off pieces, but regardless of what it feels like and regardless of what our experiences are and the things that come to weigh us down, you got to stand firm and you got to take a hold of those things. And you have to know that it's all for fuel. It's all for foundation if you want it to be. 
if you want it to be. We do not have to live any day where we're down and where we are just so filled with anxiety and depression. A lot of that is coming from our history. It's coming from our past. And on tonight, somebody needs to know that they need to deal with that. And somebody else needs to know that they need to go ahead. It's okay to let it go. It's okay to let it go. And it's okay to come into a better place a place where you don't have to keep going back and forth, where you don't have to keep those things in the back of your mind, but that you can go forward. And that is my piece for tonight. Thank you. I'm not gonna say anything else, but good night. Thank you all for joining us, Reverend Reginald. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we will see you tomorrow for ATS Business University Business Training. And we will see you next Thursday for our integrity leadership class. Thank you, Ms. Kiera, for closing us out with that powerful prayer. Everyone, have a good evening. God bless you. <laughs> And my son said, and good night. Good night, everyone. Good night.